Sunday, May the 22nd. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. We're in Hebrews chapter 4, just to the end, and it's a section that goes right the way through to Hebrews chapter 10. It's uh, something of the guts, the heart of uh, this letter that was written to encourage Christians to persevere, to encourage Christians to be faithful because our trust is in Jesus who alone is faithful towards us. So we pick up uh, the story in verse 14 of chapter 4 where it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven. The high priest in the Old Testament was God's way of helping the people deal with everything that was wrong in their lives. And the high priest once a year would would symbolically take everything that was wrong in the lives of the people and sacrifice before God in order to remove everything that was uh, wrong. But we know, but we know that that activity of that high priest and the whole purpose of the high priest was to connect people back to God, that that activity in the end wasn't the real deal. The reason, though, that it was so important is that it was a reminder, not just once a year, but a reminder every time sacrifices were made, that what we need more than anything else, what we need above everything, is to be connected with God again. The fundamental issue that's going on in all of our lives is that we become and have become disconnected from God. There's this beautiful verse in Genesis chapter 2 about the way that uh, mankind, Adam and Eve, walked with God in the cool of the day. There's this sense that we were supposed to live in harmony with God, which created a harmony with one another, which created a harmony with the ecosystem around us. We know the story. We know how that harmony with God was broken. And with that came a disharmony between human beings. And the whole ecosystem is now broken. And and so we know that above all else, whatever you think you need today... Whatever you think you want to happen to change in your life from the inside or the outside, whatever it is, we need, all of us, that reconnection with God. And the point the writer to the Hebrews is making through these chapters is that in the end, the Old Testament priests could never achieve that. So in chapter 10, of Hebrews, we read the old system, the Old Testament, the old way, 
the law of Moses was only a, a shadow. It wasn't the real deal. It was a dim preview, not the actual movie, just the preview of the good things to come. The old system was not the good thing itself. The sacrifices under that system, the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing, that reconnection, that reconstruction back with God for those who came to worship. If they could have provided that, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So the recognition was that they would do it once a year but then next year they'd have to do it again and they'd have to do it again because it wasn't the real deal. Verse 3 of chapter 10, if you have it open in front of you, no need to if you don't. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins, their disconnection with God year after year. So in other words... There's this system in the Old Testament that's set up to help people think about how their core issue, their disconnection with God, might be resolved. And not only was it there to remind people that that's the core issue, that's what above all else needs to be resolved, by repeating it year after year, it was a constant reminder that of ourselves... We cannot resolve this core issue that all of us face. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. These sacrifices reminded them of their sins, of their disconnect with God year after year. We cannot save ourselves. And so the writer to the Hebrews is calling us, as he will in a later chapter, to fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the true high priest. He is the real deal. He is the one and only who has himself already entered heaven. In other words, already re-established that connection with God. And God is the only place. God is the only relationship. God is the only intimacy that ultimately can restore us, can reconnect us, can bring us alive in the way that we were always made to be. And the temptation, of course, is to think that that's something futuristic. And in one sense, it is. The Bible says that when I see him, I will be like him. In the twinkling of an eye, I will be changed. What a glorious moment. That does not mean that we wait until then before the reality of being reconnected with God can take place in our lives. The writer of the Hebrews wants to make it clear that this saviour, this high priest, will connect us with God, not just then, but now. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once now for all time. And that's the gift. People say from time to time, do you know what's Christianity all about? Is it about doing certain things? Is it about attending certain things? Is it about being in certain places and behaving in certain ways? It might in the end express itself in all of those kind of ways. But fundamentally, fundamentally, 
It's about the fact that we have the invitation to get reconnected with God now. What a gift. What an invitation. What an opportunity. That we might be those who now walk hand in hand with God in the cool of the day. That we might be those who, having been reconnected with God, find new abilities to reconnect with one another. That the ecosystem, the kingdom of God, might begin to be re-established as it was always meant to be. But we have to bring our whole selves. We have to bring our whole selves before the high priest, before the saviour, before the the real deal, before the, the one, the only one who can do it. And not surprisingly, that involves both head and heart. We've been seeing this over and over again through these verses in the book of Hebrews. Look at what it says. We need to hold firmly to what we believe. There's a head engagement. We need to hold firmly to certain truths, to certain things that we know are true that become unshakable in our lives. A foundation that's solid and permanent and held. And also, and also we need to engage our hearts. Head alone will not get us where we want to get to. Heart alone will not get us where we want to. Remember those sermons before Easter, thinking about the dynamic of head and heart. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. So what is it that we're holding firmly to? Well, we're holding firmly to the fact that in the end, only Jesus saves, rescues us from our disconnectedness, rescues us from ourselves. If I have guilt or shame or disappointment or fear or low self-esteem or failure or despair lurking in my life, these are all symptoms of being disconnected from God. And it doesn't matter how hard I try to fix those things because I cannot fix that disconnectedness by us, by myself. Ultimately, those things are not fixed. You with me? And so we can try all we like. And there is so much written and talked about and podcasts and books and magazines about trying to reconnect ourselves trying to reconstruct ourselves, trying to put ourselves back together. And if it was possible to rebuild ourselves, to reconnect with God ourselves, we would have found the way to do that right now. But ultimately, what we hold firm to, what we've heard, what we understand from the writer to the Hebrews, is that we cannot do that. And so there is this amazing grace, this amazing kind of, wisdom of revelation to understand that, you know what, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And that is a very freeing place. 
I'm not enough. I can get up tomorrow and I can try harder, but I'm not enough. I can get up tomorrow and I can try a new technique, a new diet, a new fitness regime, a new mind calming process, whatever it might be. But, but I can't reconnect with God by, my, by myself. So it's a grace to know that I'm not enough and I cannot do it by myself. So we hold firmly to the fact that only Jesus saves. Because if I don't, I will be tempted tomorrow to try and save myself. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You'll be tempted tomorrow to try and do it yourself. To try and fix yourself to try and better yourself, to try and improve yourself. And on one level, some of those things are okay, but ultimately they uh, end in kind of futility and exhaustion. Because we believe that the ultimate fix of the high priest was not in those Old Testament sacrifices that were repeated year after year, but the ultimate The ultimate reconstruction, reconnection, the ultimate dealing with that which is broken in us and in our world was the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, who died once and for all time. Isn't that an amazing truth? It's always done. It's always done, can never be undone. What Jesus did is always and for eternally Done, But our high priest, unlike the Old Testament, Jesus offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, for our disconnection, for our sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. What's the significance of the high priest sitting down? When do you sit down? Well, maybe we tend to sit down when we've done the work. You're busy and then you sit down. He sat down just like the high priest of old as a sign that the job was done. It was completed now and for all time. And the third thing that we know that we hold on to. So we hold on to the fact that my reconstruction, my healing, my restoration is only ultimately in Jesus. And that's because he gave himself on the cross for us and took everything on that cross. No wonder it went dark when he had all my guilt and my shame and my disappointment and my failure and my regrets and all of the other stuff that make up our, our lives. He took everything on the cross and that includes all my stuff. The stuff I struggle with. Because look in verse, um, uh, in verse four. Sorry, the verse on the bottom of that slide is wrong, I think. It is wrong. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Everything. So the thing that you say, do you know what? I don't think that can be fixed. The thing that you say, I'm not sure that can be forgiven. The thing that you say, I'm not sure I can stop thinking like that or stop behaving like that or stop believing like that, that thing was also taken to the cross. Everything. He gets it. He sees it. He knows it. The whole thing. 
And so as we hold firmly to these things, as our feet are planted firmly in the soil of only Jesus can do this. Sai, could you just go to the bottom of the stairs as someone's just gone up and they might need some help. Tuck. Um, this way. This, yeah, that stairs up. Yeah, great. <clears throat> he, he gets it. I see. I know everything you are tempted to think is outside of what God can do in your life, was included on the cross. How do we hold firmly to these things? Because I don't know about you, but there's slippage in my life. Are you with me? I get it, and then I slip away, and I start thinking about uh, what I can do, how I can achieve something, how I can reconnect myself with God, we need to remember that we need a saviour and to keep reminding ourselves that we need Jesus, to keep reminding ourselves that it's all about him and it's, um, it's only his work in our lives that can do it. And to be reminded of that, I need people around me that will remind me. That's why community is so important, isn't it? Because the people around us remind us. The people around us remind us because we begin to talk and to share a common language. And you can challenge me when I'm trying to save myself and I can challenge you when you're trying to save yourself. We need one another. We need people for the journey. And it's so important that we understand that because the moment that we become isolated, the moment we become by ourselves, we move into that orphan spirit that here I am on my own and I need to take matters into my own hands and do my own thing. And so we need one another to remind us, to remind us all of the time, this week, next week, today, tomorrow, that we need to trust in a saviour. Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. Secondly, we need to reject or to confess the lie that always lies, no pun intended, behind the things that are wrong in our lives. You see, whenever I'm struggling, whenever I'm anxious, whenever I'm fearful, whenever I'm shame-filled or trapped in guilt, there's a lie behind that. And whenever I'm trusting in the lie that is behind it, I'm aligning myself with who? And I'm giving him the power. And so I need to identify the lie on which I'm building my life in that particular moment, on that particular day, through that particular season, facing that particular trial. The lie that goes, I'm not forgiven. The lie that goes, I'm not loved. The lie that goes, even if God loves me, he doesn't like me. The lie that goes, I'm on my own. The lie that goes, I'm not enough and there is no one for you. And whilst we remain in the place of building on a lie, we do exactly what Paul was encouraging us not to do. Do not give the devil a foothold. 
Do not give him an opportunity. Do not give him a chance. And so we ask each day as we live in community, as we challenge one another to trust in Jesus, we ask each day, what is the lie that I am believing, that I'm leaning into today? Because I need to confess it. I need to repent from it. I need to turn around from it. I need to put my trust in Jesus and put my trust in the truth to rediscover the truth. And, and there's a battle in our lives for the truth, isn't there? The lies seem so much easier to believe. But the truth is I am forgiven. The truth is I am a much loved child of God. The truth is I am liked by him. I'm not alone. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so we need to lean into the truth. So each day I'm committing myself to the reality that I'm not enough. And on this day, in this moment, I need a savior for whatever it is. And in order to uh, receive what Jesus would bring to me, I need to make that decision to turn away from the lie that I am building, that I'm constructing in my inner world, whatever that might be. And to rediscover the truth that pulls the rug from under the lie, that realigns me with God rather than the enemy, which takes me out of that place of living like I'm an orphan without a father to living like I'm a child of God with a father who loves us and is with us. So things we need to hold firmly to, things that we need to, uh, in, in a sense, engage our heads and gain our, our, our minds, be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind, Paul would say. But we also need to engage our hearts. It's our whole selves. It's our head and our hearts. We need to bring our whole selves before the Saviour. Because it's not just my mind that needs to be rescued. I don't know about you. My heart needs to be rescued as well. Because my heart gets wounded. My heart gets hurt. My heart carries pain. My heart gets angry. My heart gets worn out. My heart gets all kinds of trouble and tribulation. And so does yours. Unless you're living in a parallel universe somewhere. And so we bring our whole selves, look at what it says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The trouble with all of these things that I'm talking about is that the kind of blanket covering word that kind of wraps them all up is this word shame. And shame eats away at our insides. Shame doesn't simply say you've done something wrong. Shame says you are wrong. And and we can so easily feel shame. We can so easily feel wrong because we're disconnected from the one who makes us right, from the one who puts us right. And so shame causes us to hide, to hide away from the very one who can help us to hide away from the very people that can stand alongside us. Shame even encourages us to hide away from ourselves. And so I'll keep busy or I'll keep scrolling 
or I'll keep moving or I'll keep eating or I'll keep whatever it is in order to stop the need to look at that shame, to stop that shame rising in my heart. And and exactly what happened with Adam and Eve happens to all of us. When they were, it says they were filled with shame. And what do they do? They hid from God. And they began to cover themselves up and hide from one another. Something had totally changed in their sense of being. And that's what shame does. And so we are invited. We are invited not only to hold on to certain truths, but we are invited to boldly walk right into the throne room of the God from whom we will receive mercy. From the God who says, I see you, I know you, and I love you, you are mine. And that above all else is the antidote to shame for God to say, I see and I love you and I know you. And that's what we all need. And so you'll see this time and time again at Jesus' baptism. He gets the words in his head and the touch in his heart. And that's what we all need. We need that today and we need that tomorrow. I need to be rescued in my head and I need to be rescued in my heart. And the two go hand in hand because if I'm not rescued in my head, if I'm living out of a lie, then why would I want to go near to God if I'm full of shame? Why would I want to go near to him if I feel like I'm not sure if he loves me? Why would I want to go near to him if I'm not sure I can trust him? But as my mind gets renewed with the truth that he has already known and understood everything about me, that he's already taken everything about who I am and nailed it to that cross and he knows it and he sees it and he loves me all the same, then I can boldly come into his presence and receive the grace and the mercy that I need. The two go hand in hand to come boldly into God's presence. That's the invitation. And that's what the Christian faith is all about at the end of the day. This invitation to know God in the deepest parts of our being, to know that reconnectedness, to know the wonder of walking hand in hand with him in the cool of the day, to be put back together from the inside out, to be able to rebuild relationships in the way that they were meant to be and in order for the whole ecosystem of the kingdom of God to be put back together. A complete reversal of the disintegration that we see in the first few books of the Bible. So where are you in all of that this morning? Where where is the Spirit of God putting his finger? Where is the Spirit of God whispering his word into your being? What What is he saying? And how will we respond to him now in these moments? So be quiet with me, would you, for for a moment or two? And in the quietness of this moment, is there somewhere in your life where you've been trying to rescue yourself? To be honest, you're exhausted by that. Worn out by that. And it's time just to lay it all down and say, do you know what, I can't do that. I cannot rescue myself. And I'm exhausted from trying. And so whatever else I do today, I'm going to stop trying. 
because it ain't working and I'm worn out by it. Maybe as I've been talking, you can see how you've, you've caught hold of a lie of some kind. There's something that, that you're believing that you know is not the truth. It's easier to believe than the truth, and so you keep believing that which is a lie. But you can see how it's creating a stronghold in your life. You can see how it's weighing you down, how it's holding on to you. Can you name the lie? Do you know what it is? What are you believing that just isn't true? And what's the truth? What's the truth? What's the truth? Can you confess the lie? And receive the truth. Can you repent, turn from it? I'm not going to believe that anymore because it's not true. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am liked. I'm not alone. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am alive in him. My life is safe and hid with him. I do live under the shadow of his wing. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The name of Jesus. We pull down the lies that have given the enemy a foothold. And maybe still there's that lingering one thing. Yeah, everything but. Everything but that. And let Jesus take you to the cross. Take you to the cross where it went really dark. And it went really dark because the dark things of your life and mine were all there. All there. Even that thing that you're thinking about is there. And you can take it back again if you want, but honestly you can leave it there because Jesus deals with it. And you can give it to him now because he deals with it. And when he cried, it is finished, it meant that everything, including the dark things from your life, were finished and dealt with. And so in all of that, are you ready, are you willing to come into his presence afresh? To come boldly, to come openly, willingly, excitedly, arms wide openly to meet with him. To allow him to touch your heart, to refresh your soul, to meet you in that deepest place. To reconnect you, that you might be reintegrated, that you might be restored to the person that you were always, always meant to be. The whole of the Bible, all of the Old Testament points towards that restoration and points towards it in Jesus. And so we boldly come now to him and receive all that he would give to us. We choose above all else to trust him forevermore.